thank all of you for coming. We're going to be reading from the book of St. John, chapter 9. St. John, chapter 9. If you do not have an outline of the sermon, someone has an outline, please raise your hand. We want everyone to have an outline of the sermon. We have several hands up. John 9, 25. I'd like to read all 41 verses, but I'm going to condense it down to one verse. John 9, 25. He answered and said, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know that though I was blind, now I see. Father, add your blessings to the reading of your word. Speak, Lord, your truth to our hearts. Give us ears to hear and hearts to understand. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When I was in India, Vijwada, India, southern part of India, I noticed that they had thousands and thousands of gods. If you rode in a taxi, and many of them were taxis because traffic there was was awful. I spoke to an Indian family yesterday at a restaurant, and they know Vijuana, and they know Hyderabad, and they know the Indian driving. He said, even I'm afraid. <laughs> but you ride around in Texas, and you see all kind of gods. You see all kind of temples and shrines. They have a large ridge, river there at, at Vijuana, and they go out in this river by the thousands and by the thousands that they can wash away their sins and try their best to please the thousands of gods that the Indians worship. And I thought to myself this morning, man has a way of trying to get to God, trying to understand God. And we have all kind of gods. We have all kind of means whereby that we want to be in touch with God. And God knew that humanity, mankind would struggle with that because we won't be a God that we can see, a God that we can touch, a God that we know understands us. And so man, as I said, does, he does all kinds of things. He mutilates his body. He beats his body. He does all kinds of things in order to please God. Well, God solved that problem for us and for mankind, really. We don't have to go to a shrine. We don't have to wash ourselves in a river. We don't have to mutilate our bodies. We don't have to have our gods hung up on the rearview mirror in our cars, taped on our cars. But God solved that problem by sending none other than Jesus Christ. And that's how man can know God. That's how man can know God. Since July the 24th, we've been sharing on a series of the seven signs in the book of St. John. St. John is one of the greatest books ever written, one of the greatest material ever written in the world. We tell new converts, read St. John. But St. John has seven, just a few of the miracles that Jesus performed. And the reason that these are so important 
is because these particular miracles, in fact, all the miracles that Jesus or the apostles or the early church performed, had a message behind the miracle. And these signs said something. These signs showed none other than the character, the power, and the life of Jesus Christ. So we don't have to go to India. We don't have to go to Mecca. We don't have to go somewhere to please our God and to understand God Almighty, Jehovah. We've gone through already uh, five of these. Or I believe the day would be the fifth one. And you might say, Pastor, what does all of these miracles have to do with revealing the character, the life, the power of God. Well, let, let me give you just one. The first one that the Apostle John records, and that is turning water into wine. Most of us know the story. Jesus was at a wedding. They ran out of wine. And so the mother came to Jesus and told him, her, and eventually uh, he helped solve the problem. He told them to gather the vessels. And out of those six vessels, there was 180 gallons of water. And Jesus miraculously turned that everyday drinking water into great tasting wine. Now, the message behind that is so so important and the fact that they use the water containers that they use the water for cleansing it went way back to the mosaic teaching the mosaic law and what jesus was saying with this miracle there's a new law in town what jesus was saying with this miracle there's a new sheriff in town we no longer have to live under those rigid laws. But the new law is grace. And the new sheriff is Jesus. And he introduced a new way. Kind of glad he did, aren't you? He introduced a new way. I was reading at a funeral yesterday from... Corinthians. And it said something that is it's just amazing to me. The power of sin is the law. Now, why would Paul write to the church at Corinth under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and say the power of sin is the law? Because without the law, we would not know sin. Christ never came to do away with the law. He came to what? Fulfill the law. He came to fulfill the law. And so rather than you and I living under that bondage, rather than us living under the rigid law and all that the Old Testament said, not that that was wrong, what that did, that ushered in this new law, which was the law of grace. That introduced us to the Son of God, which is Jesus Christ. So every miracle 
All of these seven miracles speaks of the life, the character, and the power of Jesus Christ. Most of you have been here as we've gone through these. Today, we're looking at the man born blind. The man born blind. This is one of the most amazing chapters in the entire Bible to me. Because the whole entire 41 verses is talking about the miracle of this man seeing and what all went on from his neighbors, from the religious leaders, from even Jesus himself, and from the man himself that was cured. It went back and forth. Let me tell you just a little bit about this first part of this. First of all, Jesus passed by. Here was a man sitting next to the temple, outside the temple. And Jesus passed by and the disciples passed by. And they were curious, like a lot of us are. They wanted to know because, now this man was born blind. He not only was blind, but he was a beggar. And it just didn't show the physical sense of blindness and his condition. It showed the spiritual sense of mankind, which man is blind. He's blind spiritually. Now, I can't think of a more important time throughout history when we needed to have the character of Jesus revealed any more than today. People talk about God. They talk about their faith. But don't you, my friend, whether anywhere in public, don't you say anything about Jesus. Are you telling me with all the gods we have, with all the religions that we have, that your God is the only one that can save you? Yes, sir. I say it with no hesitation and no reservation. But we've come to a time when it's taboo to say the word Jesus. To say that Jesus is the way. To speak that Jesus is the only way. But he is. And so we, we look here at this man that's blind and how he needed to see. He was born that way. His disciples, the Lord's disciples, asked Jesus, who sinned that this man, this man was born blind? Did he, of course, how you sin before you were born, or his mom and dad? Jesus said neither one of them. But he was born blind that the work, I love this. I love this. You've got to study this. If you'll take this and go home and this week sometimes sit down. I've read this with about four or five different translations, these 41 verses. It will bless you. If you have the message, that's a good one to read it with. But the NIV, the New King James, the King James, the Amplified, there's words in there you need to know. But it's interesting to know that Jesus said neither one of them, but that the works of the kingdom might be performed. Now, Jesus Christ was sent here by his Father to perform works. And by the way, they didn't stop when he died. 
They didn't stop with the early church. Somebody say amen. They still are active today. The works of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus was about to do something. I can imagine these 12 men. I can imagine they were just standing there with their mouth open, wondering, what is he going to do? I wonder what he's going to do. You know what he did? You know what he did? He spat on the ground and made mud. Now, can you imagine how much spittle it takes to make mud? I don't think he just stood there and just briefly spat on the ground. I think he... I mean, you've got to do that over and over and over again to have enough spittle. And then what else does he do? He spits on the ground, takes his finger. Ooh. Can you imagine what they're thinking as they look at him? What is, I'm embarrassed to be with him. I mean, come on. Has he lost his mind? No, he hadn't lost his mind. You know, Jesus could have spoke the word and that man's eyes would have come open. But I believe that he's teaching us something here. He's teaching us that we must be active. I love what Linda said. She was active in bringing forth her healing. Now, we believe God can use uh, medicinal uses, uses and, but we also believe in miracles. We believe we can be healed. Instantly, miraculously. I believe Jesus was doing something here to speak, not only to those around him, but to speak to us today. He made this mud. He took this and put it on the man's eyes. Now, I don't know. You've probably got a little grain of sand in your eyes before. Have you? You ever got something in your eye, eyelash or something in your eye? Oh! Does it hurt? Can you imagine somebody taking a whole pile of dirt and putting it on your eyes? And then he told him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. That hurt. And I'm going to tell you, our world is filled with darkness. Our nation has so many blind people. And they don't want to change because it hurts. It hurts. It, if, if there's sin there, Jesus knows how. We sung about the blood of Jesus Christ. The power of the blood of Jesus. It cleanses us. It washes us. It clears out our vision and we can see. Oh, don't you would your neighbors could see. Don't you would, my friend, that, that, that your co-worker could see. Don't you want your children and your parents. Don't you want the world. Don't you want this nation to open its eyes and see the character, the power of Jesus Christ. It may hurt. That's the reason we don't like conviction. 
Because America, we're not, you know, we're not supposed to have crosses. We're not supposed to suffer. We're supposed to just come to the Lord, shake somebody's hand, join the church, and we are going to just march right into heaven. No guilt, no pain, nothing. The Bible says, take up your cross daily and follow me. And that's the kind of preaching you better not preach today or you're going to lose half your congregation. We don't like the cross. We don't want dirt in our eyes. But Jesus told him to go wash in the pool of Siloam, and he did. And the Bible says he came forth seeing. What a miracle. What a miracle. What a happening. It stirred that whole community. Can you imagine? And some of you are old old enough to remember Roscoe downtown Durham. Most of you don't know that name, and you would never know that name. But everybody knew Roscoe. Everybody knew Roscoe. Everybody knew this man. He'd been sitting there year after year after year after year, day after day, begging with that cup or whatever he had. Please. But now he's, he's not blind. Now he can work. Now he can do something. He don't have to beg anymore. He's changed. Notice Isaiah chapter 29 and verse 18. In that day the deaf shall hear the words of the book, and the eyes of the blind shall see out of obscurity and out of darkness. I can't tell you strong enough how God spoke to my heart as I read that verse and as I studied that sermon, that God spoke to me and he said there are going to be children of parents that their eyes are going to come open. Your neighbor's eyes are going to come open. I believe that. I think we're going to see a revival. Wouldn't you like to see a revival? A rebirth? People that are blind spiritually and and they're, they're wandering around in the darkness and all of a sudden their eyes are open and they can see Oh, I want to see it. I believe it. Obscurity. Can you imagine? And all of a sudden, we can see. All of a sudden, we can see. Infirmities and disabilities may be the occasion for showing the divine power and grace of God. Oh, Lord Jesus was telling these disciples, there's no connection between the suffering and this man's outward sin or sin. We suffer because we live in a fallen world. Many are ill because of improper care of their Bible, a body. Jesus came to reverse the effects of sin. I'm glad that Jesus Christ came not only to take away our sins, but to take away our sicknesses. He does those kind of things, you know. Our God's alive. The miracle, diligence in improving man's condition. The disciples looked at this man theologically. Oh, who sinned that he's blind? Jesus looked at this man with compassion. The world may look on you as just another number. The world may look on you with distaste or whatever. 
But I'm here to tell you, doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what you've done, what you've not done, Jesus looks on you with compassion. And he cares. But not only does he care, he's able to do something about it. He looked on this man with compassion. The clay, the pool, the test of the man's character, and all the things from the neighbors to the rulers. He had to put up with all of this. The neighbor said, you know, I don't think this is him. I think it's just somebody that looks like him. Another neighbor said, no, 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 it's, 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 it's him. <laughs> so they finally admitted and accepted the fact it was him that was sitting there. And say they took him to the Pharisees, the religious leaders of that day. Let me tell you something. Don't you dare let religion get in your way to, when it comes to coming to Jesus. Religion won't change you. But Jesus Christ will change you. And these religious leaders, because, listen to this, because he healed on the Sabbath, they could not accept his healing. They thought he was a sinner, Jesus. And there was no way they were going to accept anybody from healing on on, on the Sabbath. And so they questioned the man. They questioned him over and over. you got to read this story. I, 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 and when you read it, digest it. Listen to it. Let it speak to you. They questioned him over and over and over again. Then they went to his parents. And his parents were afraid they were going to throw him out of the temple. So they'd say, well, we don't know. We don't know nothing about it. And then they go back to the man. Over. He said, listen, you've already asked me. You've already talked to me several times about it. What do you want to become his disciples? He might as well spit in their face. They got so angry at him. Who are you to talk to us like that? I want you to notice, if you will, I I love this. Would you go to number three with me? Go to number three. This man grew in his knowledge. Of Jesus Christ. Listen to this. There was a consistent growth with everything he said. I think this man had some kind of knowledge of about theology, about about the Old Testament, about the prophets. I think he as you as you read this, but I want you to notice. Notice, first of all, they asked him who it was, and he said, A man called Jesus. He didn't know him, he couldn't see him. And they told him, this man called Jesus is the one that put the mud on your eyes and you came forth to see it. This man called Jesus. Second of all, they kept asking him. They said, what do you think about it? He said, I'll tell you what I think about it. He's a prophet. When, they, when the Pharisees asked him, the second thing he said, he's a prophet. They said, no, he's no prophet. He's, he's a sinner. Notice number three, he's a man of God. This is what the blind man concluded, that Jesus was the Son of God. Next, he declares the healer is a sinless one. That's the reason I think he had some kind of background in in, in the Old Testament because they said, this man's a sinner. And he said, wait a minute. He said, if you're a sinner, you can't do what he did for me. So he's a sinless person. Wow. 
This, this blind man that did not know Jesus is now saying he is sinless. Then we go, and I love this one. I love number five. A little later, there is worship of and faith in Christ as the Son of God. John 9, 38, that ninth chapter in this story. Then he said, Lord, I believe. Because what happened, listen at me, they threw him out of the temple. They put him out. They hated him so. The Bible says that Jesus goes and he finds him. And he begins to talk to him. Jesus reveals himself to him as the son of God. And then he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Jesus Christ is Lord of the Sabbath. Amen. He healed on the Sabbath day. They made it a big, big issue. He said, time out. Is it good? Is it, is it right to do good or bad on the, on, the, on the Sabbath? He did. Chip came to us from Fedville many years ago. He, um, and some of you have heard this story. He came to our church one Sunday morning. After the service, he said, I'd like to talk to you. Chip was the son of a pastor that pastored the church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And so we made an appointment into, in the office, and he came the next week, and we sat down. He sat there in the chair, and he told me the story how that he'd gone from a pastor's son going to church in Federal. He left there and went to New York City, and there he got involved in a different lifestyle. And now he's suffering because of that lifestyle, and he comes back home to North Carolina. He began to weep. Now, he didn't tell me the extent of his sickness, but he told me the extent of his sorrow, the extent of how Satan, how sin captivated him. So I'll never forget Chip kneeling down at his chair. He turned around and knelt on the the floor. And I I knelt next to him and we prayed. And Chip surrendered his life to Jesus Christ. I found out the lifestyle that he was in. He was living with a a person. And I said to him, now, Chip, do you mean business? He said, yes. I said, if you really mean business with God, you will change your lifestyle. You'll move out of that apartment with that individual and you'll get you an apartment and live away from that involvement. That night or the the next Sunday night, 
Chip came back to the church. He had with him his partner, Michael. Michael and Chip sat there during our worship, and when I stepped into the pulpit, I felt the Spirit of the Lord in the Lord's direction. I called them out. I said, would you please come? And, and both of them came up. But Michael came up with hatred, with bitterness, anger. And I went to pray for Michael, and all of a sudden, now this was not a courtesy fall. You've heard of the courtesy falls. You lay hands on people, and they'll go down or just blow on them. I know we've, we've seen all kinds of things. I'm not knocking that per, per se. I'm just saying that boy, Michael, hit the floor like he'd shot him. And he lay there. And we went on with the service, and he lay there. And he lay there. After a while, he did get up. And he came up to me and threw his arms around me, weeping, weeping. And he said, Pastor, I love you now as much as I hated you when I came in. Chip, the Lord saved him, renewed his relationship with him. It seemed like a gradual opening of his eyes. Michael, instant opening of his eyes. Someone put clay on his eyes. Something happened to Michael. The Holy Spirit went through him like a bolt of lightning. And when he came up, he was cleansed. His whole life changed. His whole demeanor changed. His whole countenance changed. You see, that's the kind of God we serve. Now, do I believe God's going to do that in the last days? I do. I believe we're living in the last days, and I'm looking for God to knock some people off their feet. They need it. I have never seen the lack of rebellion that's in our society today. Hatred. Anger. I was at a building at the house one day and builders and contractors, they have a way of listening to the radio. In this particular time, there was a couple of guys, it was three stories, there was a couple of guys on top of the house and they were playing the radio. I don't know why it happened, but it did happen. All of a sudden, they came on with a gospel song. You've never seen somebody move so fast in your life. He rushed down from that top of that house, went to that radio, and turned it off. You see, people don't want to hear the gospel anymore, many of them. They don't want you to, these Christians, these narrow-minded, hick, backwoodsy Christians, they don't want to hear him anymore. They don't want Jesus mentioned in the public arena anymore. I don't believe tragedy changes people. I think it can. I don't believe hurricanes can change people. I think it can. 
I don't think 9-11 did a whole lot to change people. I think it did in a way. It didn't last. Somebody says, why don't you do so-and-so at a funeral? Because that's really, can really, listen, I've preached hundreds of funeral, very, funerals. Very few people are touched to the point that they want to get saved. Where Hurricane Harvey may not change people, the hand of God will change people. When you've done all you can do, when you've said all you can say, when you've preached all you can preach, when you've sung all you can sing, you let the power of God. You watch where that obscurity goes to. You watch those eyes come open. And you watch them say, I love you now as much as I hated you. That young man today is married and has children. Hallelujah. Sad to say Chip died of AIDS. But God will change your life. God will open your eyes. And more, and, and just the same, God will open your children's eyes. You say, but Brother Don, I've been talking to him for years. You let that light come on. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And he says, Isaiah said it, then Jesus said it in Luke, the anointing of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to open the eyes of the blind. That's what the church needs. The church don't need another program. The church don't need more money. The church don't need a lot of things. They don't need a bigger crowd. What the church needs is the power and the anointing of God. I can't say that strong enough. But we're ashamed if we're not careful. Listen, I believe in order. I believe in order in the church. I know that Paul, right into the church at Corinth, gave instructions when it comes when it came to uh, the, the manifestation of the Spirit of God, speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, and the nine gifts of the Spirit. I know that there should be order, but sometimes we've ordered the Holy Ghost out of the services. Somebody says, I'm afraid of wildfire. I'd rather have wildfire than no fire at all. In fact, if there is wildfire, there's enough wet blankets in the church to put it out. We need the fire of the Holy Ghost when some people comes to the when people come to the Lord, come into the church. People come to the altar now and they say, Oh, God save me. You don't see them anymore. They have no fire to get in church to be baptized in water, to start paying their tithe. They're not changed. I believe that that's what it means to repent. It means to turn around and go a different direction. And the power of God will convict people. And we need that conviction. And it might hurt sometimes. And we, we, we want to wash it out. But if you wash it out and you turn to God, God Almighty will cleanse you and your eyes can come open. Woo! 
Your eyes can come open. And we can see. This gentleman went by a coal mine many, many, many years ago. Way out in the field, he saw many mules. It was on Sunday. And all these mules were eating and milling around. He was curious. And this young fellow was there and he said, what's, what's all these mules doing out here? He said, well, these mules work six days a week in the mine. But we have to bring them out on Sunday. Because if we let them stay in the mine, they will go blind. And I hate to say what I'm fixing to say, but the church has meddled in the world, whether it's television, whether it's conversation, whether it's a lifestyle, we have meddled in the church so long until we've gone blind. And you think, oh, they can see. Listen, if your eyes are dim, ask God to open them. God give us 20-20 vision spiritually. God, I... I've closed my eyes too many times. I've been in the dark. I've walked in the dark. I've lived in the dark. I've put up with the dark. I mean, this world is dark, and I'm not trying to be negative. I'm not trying to be gloomy. I'm just telling you the world is dark, and if we don't go to church, if we don't pray, if we don't fast, if we don't hear preaching, I mean, everything we hear, everything we see is junk. Let me tell you what would do most of us, if not all of us, good. Take a sabbatical of watching the news. Because you ain't going to see no light there. Everything we do, if we're not careful, is darkness, gloomy. And we get depressed and we say, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'll tell you what's wrong. You've been in the minefield, down down in the cave too long. Get out. Take a Sunday and go out. Hallelujah. And see what God has done. See what God is doing. Would you come, Brother Matt, and the team? We had a young man here from Kings Park this past Wednesday night. This man, this young man, was telling us what God is doing around the world. What God is doing on the college campuses. What God is doing in Pakistan, in China, Saudi Arabia. What God is doing here in America. What God is doing on our college campuses. That's what the church needs to focus on. ABC is not going to broadcast it. CBS, CNN... NBC, CNBC, all of these, Fox, they're not going to tell you. You won't get all of this from none of these channels. But I'll tell you what you can do. You can open up God's Word. And you can start saying, God, show me what you're doing. God, I believe you're going to do some wonderful things. I believe you're going to change my son's attitude. 
I believe you're going to get a hold of my daughter and open her eyes. She's been so blinded. I believe you're going to get a hold of my brother, my sister, my coworker. I've been praying for them for a long time. And all of a sudden, the power of God will come and touch their life. And you've you got to believe that. <laughs> Pastor, you're just whistling Dixie. Oh, no, I'm not. I'm speaking forth God's word. And I'm speaking forth as a prophet, prophecy today that God is going to open blinded eyes. Father, we love you this morning. Father, we love you this morning. I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. And I thank you for revealing him through this wonderful text today. Lord, if there's anything I want to see, it's Christ. After many years of serving the Lord, Paul said that I might know him.